0: Desideratum is a Latin word, meaning things that are desired as essential. The Desideratum podcast celebrates the art of telling and the journey of listening to stories with narrator Teresa Bakken and her author, artist, and wordsmith, friends. Episode 14, The Library of Lost Souls.
1: I love experimenting with different forms. And I think that you really have to tell a story that's on your heart and tell it in the way that is most meaningful to you. And I think that readers are always looking for stories that make them think and that move them in different ways. And if you can do that, I don't don't know that it really matters what genre you're writing in.
0: This is Megan Holloway speaking and writing from her heart. She has a successful World War II historical fiction from Polis Books called Once More Unto the Breach and a trilogy in the thriller mystery genre with Hunting Ground released last year and Hiding Place out this August. But we are talking about something very different. A book she wrote set in the future. At its heart, It's a love story about what it means to be human and the ways we grapple with loneliness and loss. Today, we are talking about the Library of Lost Souls. So let's talk a little bit about where the inspiration came for Library of Lost Souls. Yes. Tell me how that story Came to you and why you felt compelled to write it?
1: So, this is my first self published work. And when I started writing it, it was really just a personal project. I didn't want to get too far off brand of what I write with historical fiction and crime thrillers. But at the same time, I had just been through the pandemic, as, as everyone had been. And I had been very isolated from one of the most important people in my life, my grandfather. And he lived in an assisted living facility. And I was so thankful that they took very great care in ensuring very strict quarantine to keep their residents safe. But it also meant that since February of 2020, I was not able to go down and visit my grandfather every other weekend, sit with him, have breakfast with him, talk with him. And I ended up losing him in October to COVID. That grief was just compounded by the fact that I had not been able to sit with him over the last year. I had not been able to be with him at the hospital. We weren't able to celebrate his life with friends after he died. And writing for me has always been a very cathartic process. It's it's how I deal with my emotions. It's how I work through what I'm feeling. And so I was actually painting one evening and this story idea came to me and it was just this very kind of, very different from anything that I had ever imagined, this futuristic setting about a century uh, in the future. And in this world that I imagine, COVID-19 was the end of humanity as we knew it, and it started this mass extinction, which is really honestly, I think, how, how a lot of people felt over the last year with this extreme isolation, with this fear and anxiety, and this, this distance from community that we had never experienced before, not in our lifetimes. And so I started writing this story and it was really a very emotional journey for me working through the process of my own grief and my own loss, losing my grandfather and exploring what it means to be human and what the process of grief looks like and how we deal with sorrow and how we come to grips with our losses.
0: Yes. What drew me to you was reading um, the author's note. Yes. And the way that you articulate how you feel about your grandfather, the impact that he had on you was just, it was beautifully written. Thank you. And the part that really struck me was when you, when you describe him as rich, what made him in his life rich?
1: This was a very personal endeavor for me to write about him and to have a story about grief inspired by him. But I talk about how he was not a wealthy man, but he was a rich one. And he was rich in so many different ways. He was rich in good humor. He was rich in laughter. He was rich in abiding love for the land and a long, hard day of honest work. He was never happier than when he was outside, toiling away at some project, working with his hands. He was rich in strength. My grandfather was just the stalwart figure of a man. When I was a child, I was certain that no one was taller and no one was stronger than he was. And he was so rich in generosity. He was completely unsparing in friendship and in kindness and And he was so rich in love. He told me once that he thought he had been blessed more than any other man with a wonderful family he'd been given. And he was the inspiration for why I became a writer in the first place is he was so rich in tales. My grandfather was the consummate storyteller, just had this rich love of spinning yarns and telling tall tales, and and you never knew how tall that tale was going to be. And so I grew up really sitting on his knee asking him to tell me stories. That's what I remember most about my childhood, just left such an impression on my life and made me realize exactly what is important in life and what falls by the wayside.
0: Isn't that beautiful. Megan also says in her author's note at the beginning of the book that her grandfather loved a good love story.
1: You describe the story as a love story. I do. <laughs> yeah. It's very much a love story about grief. And, and there is, there is this relationship that develops over the course of the story, this this very deep friendship between a human woman and a robot uh, which was so so fun to write the character of seven the robot is really kind of this juxtaposition and this this parallel for nell's journey on finding meaning in loss coming to grips with loss and then determining what that kind of seed of humanity is. And I I loved exploring that relationship, but at its heart, it really is a story about loss. And I think the flip side of loss and of grief is having the gift of having loved someone so much to experience that once they're gone from your life.
0: Yes. I love the differences between the human and the robot. I love the distinctions you make and creativity and memory Uh, but I also really really love the introduction of a dog (laughs) and I know in your real life um, a dog is very important to you that you have a standard poodle named Aiden and yes um, that he's a character in your life
1: very much so he is the largest character in my life (laughs) (laughs) I love dogs and they are such guiding lights for us. And they are really touchstones for humanity in so many different ways. And my own poodle has just been a very, I mean, he's been my constant companion and he has been this constant in my life, his entire life. And I don't think anyone who has not experienced the love of a dog can fully appreciate just how, how special they are and how how much of an impact they have there's there's nothing like that companionship and that loyalty and that completely unfailing love and devotion
0: yes Mm -hmm. and you just really I think you convey that that sense of um of how powerful that can be Mm -hmm. through this story you know it um I don't want to spoil anything, but I think, you know, knowing a dog um, alters the course of of his life.
1: Um, Yeah.
0: I just love, I loved that you, that you shared that through, um, through those, that character's relationship.
1: Um, There has been a dog in most of the stories that I have written thus far. And when I was writing this story, I, I thought to myself, I, I have to figure out how to very creatively include this because it's been such a, a linchpin in my own life. And it's been such a, um, it's been so valuable to me emotionally. And so thinking through how to do that in a very different way was yeah. a lot of fun for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And I think it really anchors the story. There's a lot. Um, you didn't just side character include a dog I think there's a lot to you know sort of revealing our humanity that you include in that companionship and that relationship Mm -hmm. and I loved that Um, the other thing um, that struck me was what is the library of lost souls itself physical place if you Mm -hmm. could explain what is the library of lost souls and where this idea came to you of this repository
1: Mm-hmm. So I had the pleasure of doing an internship at the Museum of Nature and Science when I was working on my graduate degree, and I have always been so inspired by libraries and archives. they Are some of my favorite places that I've visited in the world, and I love this idea. One of the th- one of the main points of the Library of Lost Souls is humanity as is at the end. Uh, humanity is going extinct and I wanted to explore what it means to be human and, and this idea of our souls living on after us and I think I think as we are experiencing grief and loss I think there's that feeling of walking through what this other soul meant to us and how this other soul impacted our lives and and having a very fictional representation of that and a a very concrete representation of a soul being extracted from a human once they've passed and being stored in this repository in the Athenaeum and then being won by robots after they met a certain requirement was a really interesting way of conveying that even though we lose a person they're not fully gone from our lives because we have those memories and we have that experience and that and and how that individual shaped our own lives. And so I really wanted to explore that. And as I was thinking about it, I, I realized that there had to be this kind of library archive figure in the story that is the, the repository of these souls that are collected from humans and, and stored. And it was really a very creative process and a very imaginative process to try to think through what that looked like. And I very deliberately did not go into a lot of detail describing it for the reader because I wanted the reader to have the opportunity to envision this Athenaeum and what they imagined it to be themselves.
0: That's a good place to pause and share the excerpt we chose for the podcast. This is chapter one from the library Of lost souls. Souls were not catalogued by the name of those who had once possessed them. When they were harvested, they were assigned a random serial number. The algorithm of the database ensured all souls were handled equally. But this was still a library. And even though the database was faultless in its anonymity, The Athenaeum still kept detailed records of every soul it received into the repository. The holographic files were encrypted. It had taken me fifteen revolutions of studying the codes to unravel the information. But I was a librarian. I was nothing if not determined and diligent when it came to the pursuit of knowledge. Be honest with yourself, I whispered drawing the holographic file from its slot. The hologram catalog was located in the bowels of the Athenaeum. Even the barest sound of my voice whispered back to me in an echo. I glanced around, even though I knew I need not worry about discovery. I had gained my position as second librarian last year by default when my predecessor died the human extinction had aided my rise from Apprentice. Guilt pricked like a splinter whenever I mused that only one more death would give me the covetous position of prime librarian. But I strove to be honest with myself, and the truth was, I would have more than one reason to celebrate if the prime librarian met a timely or even untimely end. And the truth was, This was about more than the pursuit of knowledge. I had spent countless hours over the last twenty revolutions searching through the metadata in the Athenaeum with one specific purpose in mind. My fingers trembled. The information rippled. I checked the coding again. And this time, the image wavered due to the moisture gathering in my eyes. When a blink unmoored a tear... I brushed it from my cheek with the back of my wrist. I did not even need to decode the encryption to know what was listed under soul merits. This soul had been enamored with the rich textures of oil paintings, had found immense solace in the weight of a canine companion draped over his lap, had looked forward to the howl of a storm overhead, and had loved the haunting, mournful swell of cello music. I pressed a hand to my chest. The steady, if swift, rhythm of my heart belied the long revolutions it had felt hollowed and fractured. The knot in my throat grew as I read his name again, and then I skimmed through the metadata until I found the reference Citizen 7 24326. I knelt on the cold floor. The strength leaving my knees in a sudden rush that made standing impossible. All this time searching. Now I had a starting point. 7-24326, I said, pressing my fingers to my lips. Now I just had to find the individual who had earned the right to my husband's soul. I think it's also a love story or a love note to the planet.
1: Yes. I think yeah. I
0: spend a lot of time in the book um, talking about the resiliency of the mm-hmm. planet. I really, I liked that so much, the elements of um,
1: of hope. I really wanted there to be a very distinct reawakening in this Exploration of there being more than what was immediately in Nell's surroundings in this very kind of rigid, colorless environment. And she goes above the surface, and it's a very frightening experience for her. And it's a very overwhelming experience. And I think subconsciously, I was kind of tapping into that return to normal fear and social anxiety that we're experiencing now where we've been in our homes and in our apartments for over a year and we've been so isolated and getting back out into the world feels so new and so daunting in so many ways.
0: Yes, that's fantastic. (laughs) I love that. That hadn't occurred to me, but we've really just begun our reawakening, haven't we?
1: I don't know if I really thought of that as I was writing this because, you know, I published it back in February before we were kind of in the return to, to normal phase. But as I have listened to your uh, interpretation of the story in the audiobook, I have thought to myself, this is such a great parallel to what I'm feeling right now as I start having lunch with friends again and go out for drinks. And there's this kind of overwhelming sense of the real world and normal life being so unfamiliar at this point.
0: I'm sure that in the decade to come, there will be many writers who who approach contemplatively and creatively what COVID has meant to us as humans, to us as individuals, to us in relationship. Um, but this, I'll never forget this story.
1: Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I just love it. I
0: hope you will look for Megan Holloway's unforgettable story, The Library of Lost Souls, anywhere you get your books and audiobooks. I'll put her website in the show notes, and a very special picture of her grandfather and her dog Aiden on the Desideratum website. Thanks for listening.